0: Well, if you're not ready after that, I don't know what you're going to do. How y'all doing, Victory Midtown? Man, it is so absolutely wonderful to see everybody in the building. Come on, somebody give God praise for just a room full of people, people out there, people online. God is blessing, and we're excited about what God is doing here today. Listen, before I jump into the message, I want to do a few things. Number one, uh, on behalf, again, even as Sarah said, Uh, On behalf of the entire Victory Midtown family, we just welcome you and we're so thankful uh, that you trust God enough to come in and worship with us and that you allow us to continue to move in those things that God has ordained for us. And as I say that, I wanna just uh, make special mention, a lot of times we don't do this, but uh, when it's evident that God has actually invited even people to come into this atmosphere, we wanna actually acknowledge that, especially in big ways. So uh, I've been given a note and I understand that we have a great group of men in the house uh, from Better Way Ministries, from Sonoya, Georgia to my right. Can we give God praise for them? Can we clap it up for them? Come on, I like seeing great, strong men, y'all suited and booted, ready to rock and roll for Jesus Christ. So great to have you guys here with us today. Uh, We are blessed that you would decide to join us here in this worship service. And I want to do something before I jump into the message. As many of you know, uh, especially if you've been around here for a little while, you know, and if you didn't know, we will be moving into our new building somewhere in the summer of 2021, so right around July 2021. Come on, come on, come on. We'll be giving you more information, actually showing you more about that even next week, uh, even in our leadership meeting next week. So I'm excited about that. I'm just telling y'all, it's going to be good, y'all. It's going to be good. Our home is going to be nice. It's going to be real nice. But, but, But with that, what's happening is, as you even see here, God is doing something special. And what he's doing is he wants us to be able to continue to receive the word of God, continue to be built as disciples of God, so that we don't just have it and we don't just hold it within the four walls, but so that we're able to touch even the next generation. And so as we are excited about what God is doing and expanding us as we continue to reach people for Jesus, how many of you know that that really involves the next generation? Clap it up. You were at one time the next generation. I know you're the now generation now. But I want to say this because as we are uh, walking in this new season, even on last week, if you were here or watching online, Pastor Johnson gave an incredible message kicking off our series of Emancipating Greatness, and he prayed over a couple at Norcross, the Dunsons, who have been serving faithfully behind the scenes, doing a lot of things, and God has now elevated them and is emancipating the greatness within them. And that didn't just happen there. God is also emancipating the greatness in people here at Victory Midtown. And because we know that we have a call to reach the next generation, when we get into our new building, we will be able to do some things that we haven't been able to do here. One of the things that we decided, Kendra and I, we're very keen on making sure that we are good stewards over what God gives us and trying to do a few things very well. So if you've been around here for a while, what you know is that we don't just kind of jump out there and start ministries, we don't just try to do everything. We try to make sure that we're able to steward properly what God puts in our hands so that we can do that well. And I'm saying all that to say, in this next season as we move into our new building, we will be able to go even more aggressively after the middle school students and the high school students, and we need help to do that. Come on, come on, we need help to do that. Even as I say that, some of y'all, your, your, your bellies are starting to kind of jump a little bit. You're like, I want to be involved in serving the next generation. And so what God has done is he's allowed us to really just see the gifts and the talents in an individual that a lot of you actually know already. But this person has now joined our team here at Victory Midtown. And I want you to welcome our new director of student ministries here at Victory Midtown, Mr. Erskine Johnson. Clap it up. Well, I wanted him just to come up for a second, just to put a name with a face, because even here soon, uh, Erskine will start to do some more communication here at Victory Midtown. He'll start to do it, do, you know, different things in different areas, serving small groups and things of that sort. And I didn't want you to say, who is that? I want you to know who he was. So Erskine, if you want to say anything to your Victory Midtown family? Good morning, Victory Midtown. How y'all doing? Good, good. Man, it's an honor and a privilege to be here. I'm thankful that I can call this place home. I'm thankful for Pastor Kendra and Pastor Mo uh, for bringing me on for this amazing opportunity. And I believe that we have, that's right, next generation, I hear it. We have an opportunity uh, to really just uh, steward what we have here well uh, for for the kingdom and for Jesus Christ. for Jesus Christ and so I believe that with our next generation with middle school and high school uh, we have an opportunity to do something different here in the city of Atlanta and I think we all can buy into that and know that God is going to do some amazing things so thank y'all so much for having me and allowing me to be here in this role in this season amen amen hold on hold on hold on Real quick, can we just stretch our hands towards him? I want to pray for him because he is going to be endeavoring into a, a new territory where there will be things that we have to overcome in the spirit. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you right now for what you're doing. Father, we declare that we... Affirm the emancipation of greatness in Erskine Johnson. And we thank you right now that you have called him, that you have covered him, and you have equipped him for such a time as this. And Father, we put our prayers behind him and around him. And I, I even thank you right now, God, that as you're even sparking in the hearts and minds of people watching and people even in this service right now, that they will even also come alongside of him to emancipate the greatness in the next generation. Father, we plead the blood of Jesus over him and we declare prosperity in everything, he puts his hands to. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, give God praise. (laughs) All right, well, I'm going to jump into this message. This is week two of Emancipating Greatness. And I'm excited about this series because we've actually been talking about this a lot behind the scenes uh, with Pastor Johnson and with the campus pastors. And I'm excited because this particular message, this series, really kind of captures the heart of what I'm about as a person. This really resonates with me because as I look at this, for me, this concept of emancipating greatness is really one of my primary motivations as a pastor. When people ask me, you know, well, Mo, why do you feel like, you know, you're called to to pastor? And outside of the the quick, you know, answer you're supposed to give because God said so, I kind of go to the next thing and I often say, I say, I want to make sure, I'm committed to make sure that everyone I come in contact with walks in everything that God has for them. That everyone that I come in contact with, that they walk in the fullness of the potential and the fervor that God has put on the inside of them. And many of you know, I've said this before, my wife, she actually likens my preaching and my ministering style to that of a coach. And that's why I'm always asking us to lean in, to actually be encouraged and to actually engage in what God has for us. And as we lean into these things, here it is, I believe that you, I call you leaders, you need to be reminded of who you are more than you need to be taught something new. I'm pausing on purpose because a lot of times we get preached at. A lot of times everyone, you know, wants to scream and holler at you. But how many of you know when you have to actually really kind of stand up in life, you don't necessarily always remember that screaming and hollering. You will remember what God said, the principles that he's asked you to walk in. And so as we look through this and as we walk through this time, what I want to do, I want to make sure that we truly grasp this concept of emancipating greatness. And so what I'm asking you today is I'm not really planning on trying to preach this today. If it's okay, I really want to teach this. I really want to just walk through this because this gives us a foundation for the rest of our lives. And I'm not just saying that as a nice cliche, a nice thing to say. I really want to make sure that we grab this. So if y'all can just bear with me, if we can just kind of pace this thing out because if you've been around here for any period of time, a lot of times, you know, we give you a lot of scriptures. We give you a lot of things to do. But today I'm going to really try to be very succinct. It's going to be simple, but I believe it's going to go deep if we can actually grab it. Amen? So as we walk through this, here it is. The Bible tells us, as we talk about this series or this concept of emancipating greatness, the Bible tells us in the beginning, God created all things and said what? It is good. He said it was good. And for his last and most important creation, In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, the Bible says this. God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now, this is a big deal because what we're saying right here and what the Bible is saying is that God created you and he created me in his own image. Say that with me. God created me and he he created you in his own image. So as we look at this, what happens there is that God put his unique gifting, his stamp, his abilities, his talents. He actually said, I want to put passion on the inside of you. And he put his stamp of approval on us in that moment saying that I want you to look like me. That's a high task. That's a big thing that God did. And this is where I want you to write down this, this term that we've used a couple of times, but I want you to grab. It's the Imago Dei. The Imago Dei. The Imago Dei. That's called the image of God. The image of God. So as we're walking through this, here it is. I want to make this statement because I know some, we live in a, in a world that there's a lot of esoteric belief and there's a lot of, you know, the moon God and let me go with the universe and let me get this energy and all of this type of stuff. Let me say this. We are not gods, but we are made in his image. Let me say that one more time. We are not gods but we are made in his image. And for us to understand that God did all of this, he actually created us in his image, gave us his likeness because he had a plan. He had a plan and he had an assignment for us. In Genesis chapter 1:28, the next verse up, it says, God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, reign over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, and the animals that scurry along the ground. This assignment right here that I'm talking about, this is called the Missio Day. The Missio Day. write that down, M-I-S-S-I-O-D-E-I, the Missio Day. the mission of God. And so what we see here is that God is saying that I could rule the earth all by myself. I could do this thing called life in the earth all by myself. I made it. I created it. I could say hello to myself and then answer myself. But I don't want to do that. I want to share the wealth. I wanted to create some people to extend my vision, to extend my image, to extend my influence in the earth. And so with that, God said, I wanted to create others with unique gifts, talents, nuances, and create something incredible for each and every one of you to walk in and walk out and embody in the earth. So as we're looking at this, what happened after that is that sin entered the world. Sin entered the world and corrupted the image of God. But then Jesus came to set it right. Somebody say, thank God for Jesus. Jesus. Jesus came in and set it all right so that we can then bear his image once again. Follow me now. Here is where we are picking up today. Because of that freedom that God gives us through Jesus, he now wants to emancipate his greatness through us. Can you just do that with me? He wants to emancipate his greatness through us. Those who are watching online, unless you're driving right now, use both of your hands and say, God wants to emancipate his greatness through us. So as he's emancipating his greatness through us, He wants to do that in you, and he wants to do that in me. And the big thing about that, write this statement down. God wants to liberate and free his image in you. See, I need y'all to hear from my spirit more than you hear from my words right now. God said he wants to liberate and free his image in you. And what happens is that we have to look at this because this is a reconditioning. Because a lot of us, we haven't been operating in the image of God. We've been operating in the image of sin. And I'm not sitting here talking about just what you did last night or what you did last week. I'm talking about the sin nature that came into the earth. I'm talking about how God said, listen, I want my light bearers to show up, but there's always something trying to dim the light. I love that we were singing that song, let the light in. Let the light in let the light in because god is saying listen i need you to light it up everywhere you go i need you to step in and light it up every place that has darkness in i need you to step in and light it up every place that has a little disaster in it i need you to show up and light it up so as we light up this world here it is this is what i want us to know this series this topic called emancipating greatness this is not a sermon This is a journey that we're on. This is not a a couple weeks that we're going through this. This is something for us to understand that we're planting seeds today and we're going to continue to plant seeds. And that's why I said I'm going to be succinct today. I'm not going to be all over the place, but we need to understand what this looks like. So here it is. One of the first steps that we have to take on this journey of emancipating greatness is we have to redefine greatness. (laughs) We have to redefine greatness. And so in order to redefine greatness, this is what we're going to do today. Because if I, if I don't redefine greatness today, what will happen is that you think this is another Tony Robbins seminar. You'll think this is Eric Thomas, E.T., yelling at you. Get your life right. Some of y'all like to be yelled at. If I don't redefine this, you'll think this is the Oprah show, and then you get greatness, you get greatness, you get greatness, you get greatness, you get greatness. That's not what we're doing today. We're going to redefine greatness in the eyes of God. Is that all right? So let's redefine greatness. I want you to turn and kind of put, you know, some of you that have physical Bibles, go ahead and put your finger in 1 Samuel 16. 1 Samuel 16. I want to talk about this for a second because in 1 Samuel 16, we find the prophet Samuel crying because God had rejected King Saul as king of Israel. But what happens is that God tells Samuel that as he has he selected a new king of Israel, and he tells Samuel that I need you to go up to Bethlehem and see Jesse because I want to anoint one of his sons as the new king. Now, when Samuel gets to Jesse's house and tell him, why he's, tell him why he's there, I could just see Jesse, he was amped. He probably looked around and said, mama, we made it! Like, we got the prophet coming into the house. He's gonna actually say, one of my sons will be king? I believe he was like, hashtag blessed, hashtag royalty, hashtag big papa, I'm a king's dad. And so when he did this, he started to get excited about this But here it is, is what happened. In verse 6, Jesse grabs his oldest son, Eliab. And with pride, he brought Eliab in front of the prophet. And here's what happened. So I need you to pay close attention. Again, we're going to kind of hover right around this scripture for the rest of this service. What happens right here in 1 Samuel 16, verse 6, the Bible says this. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height. I'm pausing right there for a reason. He said, do not consider his appearance or his height. Why did he say don't consider his appearance or his height? It's because before they had made that mistake. With Saul, one of the prerequisites, what they were looking at, they were looking at his stature because they would say, okay, he looks strong, he's tall, he's dark, he's handsome. He has the stature of somebody that we should follow. But what happened is that they saw that there was wickedness in the heart of Saul and that the appearance really didn't actually match up with what God really wanted to do in and through him. Some of y'all are getting some downloads right now. The Lord is speaking to you even more than what I'm saying right now. So here it is. As we look at this, one of the biggest problems that we have that was happening back then and that happens now is that in our fallen state, a lot of times what we do is we look at the outside. We judge by appearance. We are impressed by people's outward appearance and how they present themselves, even though anybody can put on a mask for a minute. And what happens here is as we look at this, it goes on to really give us this understanding that God values different things than humans value. So as we look at this, it says here, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. And here's where we get to the meat of the matter. It says, the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I want you to repeat this after me. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. People may have judged by outward appearance. Come on. Come on. But God looks at the heart. Come on. There we go. There we go. There we go. So as we look at this, it goes on because here it is. There was actually something going on behind the scenes that we couldn't see that was going on in Eliab's heart. What was really happening and why this stands out is that what the Bible is trying to teach us here is that Eliab's inside, it was smaller than his outside. This is why we have to take time before we put people in certain positions. This is why we have to take time before we just go and say, I'm marrying this person after I met them and I've only been dating them for two, two days. Because what happens is that sometimes things need to be time-tested. Because you can only fake it for so long. See, I like to say it like this, when you're dating somebody and when you're trying to figure out certain things, let life go through a couple seasons. See how they operate when it's hot outside. Do they get in heat? See how they operate when it's cold and now they're trying to Netflix and chill with somebody else. See how they operate when you, you know, you have a bad day and how they respond to you. So what we have to do is we have to make sure that we're not so busy just jumping to conclusions, looking simply at what we see on the outside and give God time to, re- to really allow us to refine those things on the inside. Let me keep going. It goes on to say, then Jesse called Abinadab. And had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said that the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then said, had Shammah pass by. But Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass by Samuel. But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all of the sons you had? There is still the youngest. This word, youngest, can be translated as the smallest. Some translations say, you know, there was this little ruddy boy over here on the side. Jesse answered, he is tending the sheep. And Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. This is a commercial brought to you by Jesus Christ that God loves to do his best work, finding somebody he was serving in the background. Come on, y'all didn't catch that. God loves to do his best work. God will find you serving if you will be able to say, Lord, I'm available to you. I'm not trying to be the one out front. I'm not trying to be the one making a name for myself. But, Lord, find me faithful. Find me faithful so that when you call my name, I will be able to stand up because I've developed my relationship with you in the background. It goes on and says, So he sent for him and had brought him in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the, Lord, then the Lord said, Rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Now, I'm just going to go just a little bit deeper right here, and we're just going to kind of walk through this thing for a moment. See, God rejects seven sons to accept the one. Some of you have been wondering why you felt like you got passed up But God is saying, I actually have been protecting you. I've been waiting on you. I've been trying to see if you'll develop your inward self. I've been trying to wonder, are you going to trust me even when I'm not giving you everything you think you want right now? See, it's not about how big someone looks on the outside. It's about how big they are on the inside in their spirit, man. We look at the outside, but God looks at the heart. So as I'm walking through this, I just need you to catch these downloads because, again, I told you I'm not here to preach to you today. I'm here to build something in us today. Because as we're emancipating God's greatness, as he's bringing it through us, he wants us to be built firm in our foundation. And this is a total, if you, don't, if you don't know this, let's know it now. This is a total reconditioning and a redefining of how the world we live in sees greatness. Because the world we live in sees greatness as a blue check behind your name. The world we live in sees greatness as I have thousands of followers or I have this kind of influence or, you know, when I say this, this person follows me. No, God is saying greatness is when you actually put your heart towards mine and I can elevate you. Here it is. I got good news for somebody in here. Because as David was looked at as the smallest, as the ruddiest, here it is. The principle in this is that God can take what looks like the smallest and still make sure that you know that you're called by him. If you didn't know it, here it is. You can be the smallest in experience in a field, and God says you're still called. You can be the smallest in the amount of connections. You might have, a, not have the network that other people have, but God says, I still can make a way in your life, and I still can bring you forth because you're still called. You can be the smallest in income right now, but God says that he still can call you, and he still can use you. This is for somebody in here. It's not your age. It's not your income. It's not your accent, how you speak. It's not your skin color. It's not your gender. It's not the kind of car you drive. It's not the kind of clothes you put on. It's not whether you have tattoos all up and down your sleeve or you have none at all. It's not the type of family genealogy you come from. What it is is when God says you are chosen by him, you are chosen by him. (laughs) Somebody needs to give God praise for that. Because some of us have been living too far looking to try to prove something to somebody else that can't call you into greatness. See, this is key right here. The Bible doesn't waste words. I love that the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. The reason why that's key is because God's greatness begins with the state of our hearts. Come on, write that down. God's greatness Begins with the state of my heart. Because the reality is, is that if our heart disqualifies us, then nothing else can qualify us. If our heart disqualifies us, then nothing else can qualify us. God looked at the heart of the other brothers. They may have been able to fool other people, but they couldn't fool God. And God is wanting you to know, just like he wanted David to know, if you will just take that time behind the scenes, when no one else sees you praising, when no one else sees you praying, when no one else sees you reading your Bible, when you even feel like, man, why am I doing this? Why am I spending this? Somebody this week said to yourself, man, I'm doing all these things, but God, is this even worth it? And I'm just the mailman today to let you know that he's building something deep on the inside of you because he wants to take you somewhere really, really far. So as we're walking through this, here it is. Write this question down. I believe this is in your notes if you're following by version. but here's a question that I need you to meditate on this week. This question right here can make you or break you. Ask yourself this question. What's in my heart that needs to get aligned with God's standard so that the greatness God wants to achieve through me doesn't outpace how I'm developed internally? I'm going to say it one more time for those in the back. What's in my heart that needs to get aligned with God's standard so that the greatness God wants to achieve through me doesn't outpace how I'm developed internally? And the reason why this is important, because if we don't get this, what will happen is that we will be those who find ourselves released in our greatness, greatness, but bound by our character. Come on, let me say that one more time. If we don't get this, what will happen is we will be released in our greatness. God has said you are great and you're to walk this thing out, but we will be bound. We will be capped by our character. We will put a character glass ceiling on our lives. And so I want us to grab this because here here it is. You may have heard this before, but I need you to grab this. It is very possible for your gifts to lead you where your character can't keep you. Hashtag self-check. Somebody in here, you know, you're wondering why you're not able to move past this place. You just keep going in this cycle and keep going in this cycle. And God's saying, I don't want what you can do. I want your heart. I love that song, Lord, you can have my heart. Because without your heart, man, all this stuff is just meaningless. So here it is. David helps us to see how we should redefine this thing called greatness. He shows us the importance of being bigger on the inside than we are on the outside. And if we're going to redefine greatness, there's just two simple questions today that we need to answer. Two simple questions. I know y'all used to three points in a poem, but it's two simple questions that I want to give us today. Number one, the first question that we all must answer is who defines greatness? Who defines greatness? And family, here it is. I want us to grab this because this, this is the defining question of our generation that I'm getting ready to ask us. The number one question of our generation is who gets to define me? Who gets to define me? You hear it all the time. Well, who, who, who are you to tell me that I can? Who are you to tell me that I can? This is what I feel. This is how I, how I am because I'm feeling this way. And as we look at this, when we say who gets to determine what makes someone great, at the beginning of Genesis 1, God defined us in his image. He gave us the definition of greatness. But in Genesis 3, what happened is Adam and Eve let the devil talk them out of what the real reality of greatness was. They let the devil define greatness to them and say, hey, you know, you need to go ahead and eat that fruit. And what he was really saying to them is that you can achieve greatness apart from God. You don't necessarily have to listen to him. You don't necessarily have to submit yourself to that. So as we're looking at this and we go from there, in 1 Samuel 16, as we were just reading, Samuel was even tempted to let someone's size and their appearance define them. But God reminds them that that's not how that works. And today, here it is, a lot of us, we wanna define us. We don't wanna go by the standard of what the Word of God says. How I feel today it determines my sexuality. How I feel today determines my gender on any given day. How I feel today, it determines the direction of my life. But here it is. Write this question down because this is something you have to think about. Who do we give the power to define us? Who do we really give the power to define us? It's an open book test. It should be God. But the reality is for a lot of us, it has not been God. Who we allow to define us can literally change the trajectory of our whole lives. Let me give you a quick example. You've heard me talk about this before. When I was in high school, I was playing uh, high school football and all these other sports, and I was a little guy. I was a scrawny guy. I know I put on a couple LBs now, but I was a little bitty guy. And I remember I was always the guy to get there early and to stay late. I was the one that worked the hardest in practice. I was up against all these type of people who I thought that they had developed and they had really come into their own. And I remember this one particular day where I caught a pass in practice and I tried to make this move and I thought I was doing something. And the coach, a coach that I respected a lot, that I had a lot of admiration for, he looked at me and he says, Mo, you're just not that athletic that crushed me. It crushed me because I had given this particular person power to speak into my life. I had given this coach who I respected this authority in my life to tell me if I was good, validated, or if I was enough. And what I didn't realize is that not until about two years ago, while I was going through forward in the class on identity, I didn't realize that that particular coach actually set me up to always feel like I had to overcompensate, always feel like I had to outshine everybody, always feel like I had to keep working hard, I had to prove something. And some of us in here, it might not be a coach that spoke something to you, but you're still overcoming something that somebody told you when you were 13. And God is saying, I don't want you to be bound by somebody else's definition or somebody else's authority in your life about what greatness is. I need you to come back to my understanding of greatness. I need you to understand that you are made in my image, that you are a light bearer of mine, and that no matter what anyone else says, you are enough. I need somebody to say that in the room. I'm enough. Come on, say it again. I'm enough. Come on, say it one more time. I'm enough. God, something's breaking in this room. Y'all need to say that one more time. Say, "I I am enough. Somebody give God praise for that right there. So let me ask you, who is your God? Who is your God? Because here it is. Whoever or whatever defines you is your God. Whoever or whatever defines you is your God. And what I want us to have to understand is that the only one that can define us is Jehovah God. The only one that can define us is Father God. And that takes me to the second question that we must answer, and that is simply this. It's simple, but it's profound. What is greatness? What is greatness? See, the word greatness is thrown around so much today. Whether it's the, the, the argument of who's the GOAT, who's the greatest of all time, LeBron or MJ? Some of y'all were getting fights about that. Greatness is actually looked at and people want to go back and forth and say, is, is Jeff Bezos the, the greatest businessman or is it Elon Musk? Greatness might even be something to make this personal for some of y'all. It, is the Shake Shack burger better or is Five Guys better? Greatness is thrown out about so many different things, but here it is. The world defines greatness as having everything you've ever wanted. Your parents define greatness as going to the right college, making a lot of money, and being important. Your boss defines greatness as making a lot of money for them. Your spouse may define greatness as being able to pay the bills. Your heart defines greatness as being looked up to or being respected. Your heart defines greatness as being, okay, yeah, they they look at me a certain way, but now I need to actually do something to prove myself. The devil defines greatness as never having sin, so you operate in condemnation. Your past defines greatness as something you'll never attain. Your future defines greatness as something you have to fight for. And your present defines greatness as something that's out of reach. But here's what I want us to grab. If we look at all those different things that define greatness, all of these definitions are based on you doing something rather than you being someone. All of these things, they're they're external to something that you're grabbing at, something that you're trying to prove. And God is saying, hey, forget all of that. I have affirmed you already. I have called you great. You are my light bearer. And I need you to get settled in that. So here it is, what if we allow God alone to define greatness? He gives us this insight in his word when Jesus says greatness looks like this. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 26, you may have heard this before. It says, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Let me read the first part of that scripture again. It says, whoever wants to be great among you must be a servant. Now, a lot of times we go ahead and we dig right into, yeah, I know I need to be a servant. But what I want you to catch is that that first line, it does not say thou shalt not desire to be great. It said whoever desires to be great, which means it's okay to desire to be great. See, ambition is not the problem. It's ambition pointed to the wrong things that's the problem. And so many times what we do is we cancel out this confidence and this ambition that God actually put into our hearts just because we don't actually put it in the right perspective. And I'm here to wake some people up because some of you, you've dumbed down your confidence. You've dumbed down what God has said about you. Too many people told you what you couldn't do, and God is saying, listen, I want you to walk in confidence. I want you to walk in ambition, but I want you to walk in a godly ambition. So as we look at this, what does that look like? Let me give you this definition of greatness. This is going to be our working definition of greatness. Our working definition of greatness is this. Greatness is living confident in who God made me to be, using the unique gifts talents and abilities he put inside me for his glory around me one more time greatness is living confident in who god made me to be using the unique gifts talents and abilities he put inside me for his glory the reason i want to just bring that up is because again i think confidence has been looked down upon in the body of christ I think there's people in this room that you stepped into situations and you stepped into environments and you stepped even into church groups and you walked in and because you just knew who you were, people looked at that as arrogance and you knew it was confidence. But what I'm here to let you know is that you can actually walk in a humility. And what is humility? Write this down. Humility is godly strength under control of the Holy Spirit. Humility is not you shrinking back. It's not you dumbing yourself down. It's not you acting like, oh, I'm just going to cower and say it's okay. No, it's I'm going to stand in the full stature of who God made me to be, but I'm going to do that with godly humility, which is strength under control of the Holy Spirit. And as you do that, what you're going to find is that those unique giftings, those quirks even on the inside of you, those things that you feel like nobody really understands. Those things that maybe made you an outlier. What people have called quirks, God calls greatness. And so what we're doing as we're talking about emancipating greatness, what we want you to understand is that you need to brush off your, your, your dead clothes. You need to take off the sheets that you've actually put over yourself trying to cover up what makes you unique. And God is saying, I'm trying to use what makes you unique. Come on, you can give God praise for that. I'm giving you permission in this room for you to walk out your unique purpose. So here it is. As we, as we talk about that, as we get ready to wrap this up. When Samuel stood to anoint David... The reason why I'm talking to you about this godly confidence is because when Samuel came to anoint David, David didn't say, oh, no, you know, I'm just this little shepherd's boy. I'm just going to walk in humility. And he also didn't look at his brother and say, how you like me now? <laughs> so there's a balance to this thing. But what he did is he stepped into it. He leaned into it because he had a relationship with God that he was already made assured of. And so that's what we have to do. We have to focus in this season. We have to start going deeper with God behind the scenes so that God can use us out front. And what he's saying to us is as we look at this, the same thing happened with Jesus. He knew he was God, so he served, and his security of who he was gave him the confidence to truly step out unapologetically and be all that he was supposed to be and bring us back to being image bearers with him. So, so it was with David, so it was with Jesus, so it is with you. So it is with me. What I want us to understand is that, as the scriptures say, we are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. What that should do, I want you to sit up in your seat right now. Come on, sit up in your seat. Put your shoulders back. That ought to change your posture. That ought to change your posture that wherever you go, wherever you find yourself, you say, I know people might not know my name right now, but God is with me. God validated me. He called me for such a time as this to stand up strong in the confidence of him who has made me free. So what does that mean for us? It means that you don't have to live to impress people. Come on, I know that's different in the society that we live in. It's hard to do because everything is looked at from the outward appearance. What it means is that we have to live our lives focused on pleasing the Father. See, for me, the way I live my life, I know people might not understand everything I do. They may not understand every decision I make. They may not understand how I actually put my energy into things. But what I am here to do is I'm only to please an audience of one. I'm only here to please an audience of one, and that's my Lord. That's my God. So the crux of what I want you to grab today is that our focus is not to be big on the outside, where people clap about us and people actually give us accolades. Our focus is to be big on the inside, so that when God puts us into a place of position and authority, that we don't cap ourselves by a glass ceiling of character. As we're talking about this emancipating of greatness, remember this, greatness is living confident in who God made me to be, using the unique gifts he put inside of me for his glory in the world around me. That is greatness. That is where fulfillment comes from. That is where we actually start to shift from success to significance in the eyes of God. So this is what I want to do. I want to pray for you. Can you just bow your heads for a moment? I understand that some of us are going to be tempted to do the opposite of this message. You're going to be tempted to assert yourself and your worth. You're going to be tempted to not rest in the help of the Lord as your source of greatness. But I'm going to admonish you to make sure that you are resting in the power of God, of who he's called you to be. And truly believing it so with your head bowed this is what I want to do if you're in here today and you've received this word but you're like man I I hear all this but the only way that I can actually walk in this greatness is that I have to have a transformation in my heart because otherwise I'm always going to be looking to do something external if you're in here and you want to let Jesus now take lordship over your life and you want to yield to him fully, I want you just to lift your hand while every head is bowed. Hands all over the room, all over the room. Thank you, Jesus. You can put those hands down. If you're in here and you say, I have accepted Jesus as my Lord, but I need to take a deeper step. I need to go deeper in my relationship with God. And I want to say right now on January 17th, I am going to actually allow God to go deep with me, and I'm going to go deep with him. And I want to redefine greatness. Can you lift your hands? Yes, Lord. All over the room. Everybody, can you just lift your hands right now? Just lift your hands. Just lift your hands. Father, I pray right now over your people. I thank you right now, Lord, that you've allowed us to walk by faith and not by sight. That, Father, through this word that you're transforming hearts, that you're allowing us to know that we are reevaluating how we look at greatness. God, my prayer right now is for those who came in here today and said, Jesus, I need you. I pray right now that they understand that as they confess you as their Lord and Savior, as they repent, saying that I can't do this thing in my way anymore, that I turn from my wicked ways and I accept your way now, Jesus. That you are now my Lord and Savior, and you give me the power to walk this thing out. Holy Spirit, I pray a transformation in our hearts. I pray whether we're in this room or we're watching online, that with our hands lifted right now, we are yielding our hands to you, saying, Lord, show me how you've made me great. Let me not go after somebody else's validation, let me not go after somebody else's idea of what makes me okay in their eyes. But, Father, I pray that this year, as we go deep with you, that you are transforming us and you are giving us a freedom like never before. Father, I come against right now even the spirit of retaliation that will try to pull people back into old mindsets when they leave this place. And I pray a supernatural grace of strength to them that they will walk in the newness of who you have made them to be. Father, we plead the blood of Jesus over your people. And we thank you now that you have redefined what greatness looks like, and it starts with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.